98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. The police have confirmed the arrests of four people thought to be members of the alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements of China for failing to comply with an information request. The chief executive has urged more people to get vaccinated and quickly if they want quarantine-free travel with the mainland. And the Taliban respond with gunfire as protests spring up across Afghanistan. The Alliance in Support of Patriotic Democratic Movements of China says police have arrested its key members this morning after the group refused to hand over information requested by the force's National Security Unit. The group delivered a letter to the force yesterday explaining why it wouldn't hand over the information and rejecting accusations it was a foreign agent. The alliance says at least four members, including Vice Chairwoman Chao Hang Tung, were taken away. The Security Secretary, Chris Tang, yesterday warned of quick actions by law enforcers against anyone who refused an information request. And a short while ago, the police confirmed that three men and one woman aged between 36 and 57 were arrested on suspicion of failing to comply with the information request as stated in Article 43 of the National Security Law's Implementation Rules. Officials have not ruled out making further arrests. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has said the number of citizens taking the coronavirus jabs recently has dropped to a worrying level urging people to get vaccinated as soon as possible if they want to have quarantine-free travel with the mainland. Speaking at a question-and-answer session at LegCo, Mrs Lamb said she has proposed to the central government to let experts from both sides discuss what more the SAR can do to ensure safe reopening of the border. While she praised Hong Kong people's compliance with coronavirus rules, such as wearing face masks, she said more people needed to be inoculated. She spoke through an interpreter. One thing that Hong Kong people can do to facilitate the reopening of the border is to get vaccinated. I said previously that if we want to achieve a 70% vaccination rate by the end of this month, more than 22,000 people need to take the first dose of the vaccine every day. But that figure has dropped to some 10,000 recently. We will continue to encourage citizens to receive the jabs and use other means to boost the vaccination rate. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Teen has urged the government to provide a quarantine-free channel for local residents who wish to visit Sunjun. But Chief Executive Carrie Lam said at a LegCo meeting this suggestion may not be feasible and it's important to have the central government support when deciding matters relating to reopening borders. Mr Teen said it would be time-consuming if an entire province had to be opened at once, given different places have different vaccination rates. He says connecting the territory with Shenzhen would be a good first move. I suggest just picking out one city, Shenzhen, which has a very high vaccination rate and everything is tight control because recently the cases that we heard are in Guangzhou, not in Shenzhen. And Shenzhen is actually our most important sort of counterpart. It's almost like a twin city. Connecting Hong Kong and Shenzhen must be the first step. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung has welcomed the government's Come to HK scheme but says the quarantine-free arrangements for incoming mainland and Macau visitors needs to be reciprocated, otherwise they'll be isolated on their return home. Mr Chung said Hong Kong had seen almost 60 days with no local coronavirus cases, so it was time the Guangdong authorities eased border restrictions. It's encouraging for the Hong Kong people to come back from, from mainland. 
But it's not so encouraging for those the mainland people to come to Hong Kong for visit or business if they have to go back uh, to the home homeland um, with quarantine uh, for 20, 21 days. So, I mean, it, it's, it's good, but it's not good enough. A leading unionist, meanwhile, says the government is allowing too few people from the mainland to come to Hong Kong without undergoing quarantine. The chief executive announced yesterday that 2,000 people can come under the Come to HK scheme from next Wednesday. Federation of Trade Unions chairman Kwong Wong Kwok said on RTHK the scheme should extend to the airport soon, as well as the border points at Sunjun Bay and the bridge to Macau and Zhuhai. Southern District Councillor Paul Zimmerman says he doesn't believe he'll face any problems completing his Pledge of Allegiance to the Basic Law and the SAR. He'll be among the first batch of district councillors required to pledge their loyalty on Friday. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has said anyone who refuses could lose their seat. Mr Zimmerman said he was unsure how many of his colleagues could be unseated as it was unclear where authorities would draw what he called the red line. He also said there were no legal grounds to claw back payments made to disqualified councillors. It's unfortunate that why most of my colleagues in the council, um, I think that the, uh, there is no real legal ground for, for calling back the money uh, that is being paid to you as, a, as an honorarium, as a, uh, as a salary basically, and for expenses for executing your job in the community. Turning overseas, a fire in an overcrowded jail in Indonesia has killed at least 40 people. A government spokesperson said the blaze started at the Tangarang Jail in Banten province near Jakarta in the early hours of this morning. The authorities are still evacuating the facility and say an electrical fault may have caused the blaze. Medical workers in the western Afghan city of Herat say three people were shot dead when the Taliban opened fire at a protest. Earlier, the Taliban broke up a demonstration in Kabul by firing into the air. The BBC's Sekunda Kamani was there. Taliban members initially appear to allow the protesters to march through the city. And amongst the protesters, some not afraid to directly criticise the group. We demand freedom of speech, democracy, national resistance against the Taliban. Convoys of Taliban vehicles made their way to the site. Eventually, fighters fired shots in the air to disperse the crowd. Dissent is not something the Taliban is used to. Energy ministers from Lebanon, Jordan, Syria and Egypt are meeting today in Amman to discuss a US-backed plan to ease Lebanon's crippling energy crisis. It's hoped Egyptian natural gas and Jordanian electricity can be transferred over land via Syria to provide much-needed power for Lebanon which is in the throes of its worst-ever economic crisis. This report from the BBC's Anna Foster. Every day is now a struggle in Lebanon. There are hours-long queues at petrol stations for scarce and expensive fuel. Many people live without electricity, and they're going hungry too because bakeries can't heat their ovens. Hezbollah has arranged its own solution, three ships loaded with Iranian fuel but receiving them would put Lebanon in breach of U.S. sanctions. Today, Egypt, Jordan and Syria will try to nail down the detail of their rescue plan. 
The people of Morocco are voting today in parliamentary and local elections amid concerns about the economic impact of the COVID pandemic. Here's the BBC's Alan Johnston. The threat posed by the virus has meant that no big political rallies could be held and as many people vote, they'll have concerns about the economic impact of the pandemic on their mind. The moderate Islamist Justice and Development Party will hope it has done enough to emerge strongest from the election. It has led Morocco's coalition governments over the past decade. But there's been no great enthusiasm in the build-up to polling day. Analysts talk of voters feeling that their parliamentary politicians have little meaningful influence. All real power continues to lie in the hands of Morocco's monarch, King Mohammed. Military leaders who seized power in Guinea on Sunday have released about 80 prisoners ahead of today's summit at the West African grouping ECOWAS to discuss the coup. The prisoners had been opponents of President Alpha Conde, who was ousted by special forces under the command of Lieutenant Colonel Mamadi Dumbuya. He's accused Mr Conde, who's 83, of rampant corruption, human rights abuses and mismanagement. Mexico's Supreme Court has ruled that penalising abortion is unconstitutional, a decision welcomed by advocates for women's health and human rights. It's a move likely to set a precedent across the country. The BBC's World Grant reports. The decision to decriminalise abortion in what is Latin America's second largest Catholic nation might appear surprising. However, the debate in Mexico has gradually been moving towards removing the illegality of abortion for some time. Specifically, the Supreme Court was asked to rule on a law in the northern state of Coahuila, which punishes women who have illegal abortions with jail terms of up to three years. The 11 Supreme Court judges unanimously voted to decriminalise abortion in that state, and under Mexican law it will now apply to all the other states in the country too. A 19-year-old woman is suing a health authority in northern Spain for three and a half million US dollars for being swapped at birth with another baby girl. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. The mix-up happened in a hospital in Logroño. A lawyer says the two babies were born five hours apart. Both had low birth weights and were put near each other in incubators and then handed to the wrong mothers. Reports say the family that took the anonymous plaintiff home was dysfunctional. The mistake emerged only four years ago when the supposed father demanded a paternity test during a dispute about child support. The health authority says its current systems would make any such mistake impossible and blamed one-off human error. The father of the American pop singer Britney Spears has filed a petition at a Los Angeles court to end his controversial 13-year control over her estate. The legal arrangement dates from 2008, when she suffered mental health issues. The singer is now aged 39. The BBC's David Willis has more. Britney Spears herself, twice during the summer, spoke in court to call the conservatorship abusive and to say that she had been coerced into doing things against her will. Well, now we have this extraordinary petition filed today here in Los Angeles, the court, by her father, which basically seeks not only to remove him from the conservatorship, but to bring the conservatorship itself to an end. Now, it will be up to a judge here to approve that, but clearly this is is the beginning of the end and a resounding victory for Britney Spears and her supporters. Finance news now. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,247. That's 123 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $87 billion. 
To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 110.26 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 71 cents. To sports, and we start with tennis, where the incredible run at the US Open tennis continues for the Canadian teenager Leila Fernandez. Match point to the 19-year-old for a place in the semi-finals. Backhand reply from Svitolina is long. Leila Fernandez, having beaten Naomi Osaka and Angelique Kerber, two champions, is now in tears behind the baseline. Fernandez has pulled off another upset at Flushing Meadows. The 19-year-old defeated the fifth-seeded Elena Svitolina to reach the last four. Here's the BBC's Russell Fuller. Quite a performance yet again on the Arthur Ashe Stadium by Leila Fernandez, the 19-year-old who only turned 19 yesterday and still the world number 73, having beaten the defending champion Naomi Osaka and then the 2016 champion Angelique Kerber. She outlasted Elena Svitolina, the fifth seed, the Olympic bronze medalist, as she won a deciding set tiebreak. It was another aggressive performance by Fernandez, who was a bundle of energy on court, and she is into the semi-finals as a teenager, where she may be joined by Britain's Emma Raducanu, an 18-year-old who plays her quarter-final tomorrow. Fernandez will play the second seed, Arena Sabalenka, in the semi-finals. Sabalenka defeated Barbara Krejcikova, 6-1, 6-4. In the men's draw, second seed, Daniel Medvedev, got past the Dutch qualifier, Botic van der Zanschulp, in four sets. His semi-final opponent will be Canada's Felix Orga Aliassim, who was leading 6-3-3-1 when 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz retired with an injury. China's football team has suffered a second straight defeat in World Cup qualifying. They were beaten 1-0 by Japan after Yuya Osako scored in the first half. China failed to register a shot on goal. They remain bottom of Group B. Australia topped the group after beating Vietnam 1-0 with Ryan Grant scoring his first international goal. Iran lead Group A after beating Iraq 3-0. South Korea were 1-0 winners over Lebanon. In European qualifying, Denmark made it six wins from six after beating Israel 5-0 in Group F. Scotland stay in contention with a 1-0 victory in Austria. There were also big wins for the Netherlands, Portugal and Norway. Details from the BBC's Paul Saras. Barcelona's Memphis Depay scored a hat-trick as the Dutch beat Turkey 6-1 in Amsterdam. Erling Braut Haaland continued his sensational goal-scoring form. He also registered a hat-trick as his Norway side hammered Gibraltar 5-1. Manchester City's Bernardo Silva and Diogo Jota of Liverpool were on the score sheet as Portugal ran out 3-0 winners over Azerbaijan in Baku and the world champions France beat Finland 2-0 thanks to two goals from Antoine Griezmann. To the weather forecast, mainly fine and very hot with light to moderate easterly winds. The outlook very hot again tomorrow with isolated thunderstorms later. More showers and windier later on Friday and over the weekend. Currently the observatory, 34 degrees Celsius, humidity at 64%. And please be advised the very hot weather warning is still in force. That's the news and weather from RTHK.
the 2021 Election Committee Subsector Ordinary Elections will be held on September 19. Voters should wear a mask, have their temperature checked and sanitize their hands. A special queue will be set up for persons aged 70 or above or with disabilities and pregnant women. Voters must show their ID cards. Staff will use the electronic poll register for identification and issuing ballots. Voters should place the marked ballot in an envelope and put it into the ballot box. 